Hello and welcome back once again to Pinstripe Pulse. We've gone through our pitchers. It is time for our position player, positional previews, infield and outfield. It's all a mess. And opening day is next week. Ah! So many questions. Hello and welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse. Hopefully you just listened to our bullpen positional preview and our starting position, starting pitcher positional preview. But now we're going to give you the infield and the outfield. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. We've been on for what, uh, two hours now, an hour and a half, essentially, uh, covering pitchers and catchers. I think that's going to be a fun listen for everyone involved. Um, this one might be a little bit of a shit show because that's what the uh, Yankees are frankly giving us right now. So... Um, I'm excited to get into it, though. Yeah, and full disclosure, we are recording this uh, six days away from opening day. Um, and you might, you might be wondering why this didn't come out more gradually throughout the uh, throughout March. And uh, I want to say we'd have loved to have given you this. Uh, we were hoping for some more information, some more clarity, which I think we might have gotten, which we'll we'll get into a little bit later. But the Yankees really have been in flux. We have a lot of players who we know can and will play Major League Baseball, and we'll get a lot of at-bats for the team this year. But where are they playing? What's the mix of who's playing? Are prospects up? Are guys staying on the team? Are guys getting traded? A lot of this we still don't know. Um, and I think we're going to start in the outfield for today. Um, and we're going to go through our outfield options. And right now I think there's one guaranteed position uh, Jake, you want to take the honors of introducing him? Uh, the one, the only Aaron Judge is who we are starting with because he's the only sure thing that we have going on right now. And boy, is he a good sure thing to have. Um, we're talking about the best player in the league last season. Him and Otani, you can argue for either or. But, I mean, if you look at the stats, Judge was far and wide the best in terms of war. Um, nearly won that triple crown. They have him playing left field as of today um, in the outfield in spring training. And he threw a dude out in his first attempt. Um, just a wall ball kid trying to make the team, <laughs> trying to leg out foolishly a double. And Judge just did what he does from center field and right field all the time and just one hopped in. Um, can't say that I'm surprised. He looks so natural there that I honestly am now questioning everything I knew about where I saw him playing this season, I was thinking mainly going to be right field and center field just while Harrison Bader is working his way back from his injury, which is a big blow that we'll get into later. But I can see him just based off of those plays playing significant time in left field now, um, which makes it almost more frustrating just because it adds more question marks to what are you going to do with right field? What are you going to do with center field? Um, there's not much to say about this dude. He's the best. 11.2 or whatever it was. Um, I'm just excited for another year of grand production out of him. Yeah, and I mean, it goes without saying we've been waxed poetic about Judge from our 2022 preview, or uh, our 2022 review, rather, and when uh, he signed with us. And for a while, Judge was the least short thing about this Yankees team as we were going through free agency with them. And now he's just about the most sure thing on the position player side. Uh, Judge last year had an MVP caliber first half, which I think is in line with what you might see from him. Uh, in 89 games, he had 33 homers, 74 runs, 70 RBI, and he hit 284. His second half, in only 70 games, he had 29 homers, 61 RBI, that's a lot higher of a rate. That's He played 25 fewer games in the first half, hit about the same homers and RBI, and he hit 350 in the second half. Uh, Judge had an otherworldly season. If he plays like he did the entire first half, that is still an MVP caliber season um, and someone who carries this team. The Yankees had a really rough August, really, really rough, like all-time bad, and they had a decent pretty solid September Aaron judges September and October. He had 11 homers in September and he hit 380. 
if you go through the Yankees September splits without Aaron Judge, it was quite mediocre. And I think that's why this episode starts with Aaron Judge and brings us so much concern because Aaron Judge played out of his shoes as Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge regressing to the mean, which we have to expect, even if he has a lull, is going to be an overly positive player. He's going to be an MLB all-star, one of the best players in baseball. But if we have to rely on Hall of Fame, I mean, not even Hall of Fame, like all-time stretches from Judge to carry this team down the end of the season because of uncertainty at third base, left field, even center field now. He played center field a lot of last year. Um, it's not something that we can rely on. I know the Yankees won 99 games. They had a really good start, um, but we limped to the finish line. Aaron Judge is the reason why we salvaged that division title and why, honestly, we progressed past the wild card round because with, without him, um, you know, we're looking at like a five seed and uh, losing that divisional position. Yep. So <laughs> baseball reference right now, 84% reliability for his 2023 projections, 41 bombs, 99 rubies, 288 average, 953 OPS. <laughs> That's the floor. I don't see him regressing past that point, which is just stupid to say, but it's true. Um, yeah, it's I can a down see, year for him. It's a down year for him. And then on top of that, he made his emphasis this offseason working on his contact skills uh, with two strikes on him. Because I think that's where he suffered the most is he had like a 190 batting average or something along those lines with uh, two with two strikes on him. And he talked a lot with uh, Paul Goldschmidt about changing his uh, you know approach in those situations so he can adjust better to the off-speed pitch and just fight off more pitches in general. I see him gunning for a 320, 330 average. I think that's like, because he's such a perfectionist, I see him, that's where he's going to be satisfied. And even then, I think he's going to say, nothing's ever perfect for me. Um, So maybe his home runs do go down a little bit. I can see him still popping off 50 easy. Um, But I would take a 45, 47 homer season with a 330 average any day of the week. Um, It's almost like Miggy Cabrera in his prime, but even better somehow um that's the type of player that i think he's striving to be at this point so i mean there's really not too much that you need to say about his performance he's proven that he can stay healthy several years back to back to back so like i i really don't think we have to dwell on him too much just because it's like beating a dead horse at this point or it's a very alive horse that has a fuck ton of horsepower (laughs) aaron judge last year on Specifically on one, two, oh, two, one, two, and two, two counts. Um, on what's the, how do how do I quantify the stat on pitches on oh, two, one, two, or two, two that ended the at bat? Aaron Judge was about league average in slugging, batting average, and strikeout rate was above league average. That was the only moderately average thing about him the entire year. He spent the offseason. Um, some of the offseason hanging out with Paul Goldschmidt, the National League MVP from last year, to talk about a significantly productive like, two-strike approach. Um, Aaron Judge looked at the one weakness in his game from last year, one of the best offensive seasons in the modern era, uh, and looked to cover up his one hole. Um, his his upper-level stats are probably – he's probably going to regress – but he's looking to become an even more rounded hitter. This is someone who we need to see with runners on base being productive. He's a really high run scorer every year, but he led off and played center field um, a lot more. When you think of leadoff center fielders, you think of like Kenny Lofton. You don't think of Aaron Judge. Um, and I know that's an old way of thinking, but you know this guy needs to be in the two hole, in the three hole, surrounded by some decent bats at the top of our lineup. Um, and, and that's where we start. We can't be relying on him just trying to get him more at-bats because we hope he'll run into a homer and win us a game. Um, but that's what he can do. That's what he often will do, um, and I'm excited to go see him again for this year and for eight more after that. Yeah, I mean, he drove in 131 runs batting in the one or two spot. <laughs> that's silly. Like, if you have him batting where he should be, which is probably three, arguably four, 
you're looking at 150 run RBI season, um, which is just something that does not come across often, but he could do it realistically the next few years in a row, um, especially if he is changing his two-strike approach. So I'm nothing ex- but excited about this dude. Um, I think we need to move on to the uh, the the mess of what we're working with now. Yeah, moving on to the mess, um, and our, our first mess comes in our number two guy, uh, and I'm going to jump to Harrison Bader, and this is not a good conversation to have. You know, we said it a little bit on our two episodes ago, Harrison Bader, who we thought would be locked in to play 130, 140 games in center field for us, already starting the season with a significant injury. Um, we acquired him via trade last year. He was dealing with a plantar fascia issue. Um, in his foot was our best playoff hitter just popped like five homers in the playoffs out of nowhere big power potential uh someone who we thought would have a gold glove level center field locked up now center field all of a sudden is in flux um what do you think of the Bader situation and how, how does that impact judge how does that impact the rest of our fielders I'm just as disappointed about him missing significant time as anyone, just because I've been on the Bader train since he got traded over here. Um, I remember being, I think maybe I was one of the few people that was just genuinely excited when I saw that trade go through. Um, Just because I know a lot of people were very attached to Montgomery and I liked Monty a lot, but what he did for us in the playoffs, you can't overlook it. Um, He clearly unleashed some kind of power display that was in his bat the entire time. Like he's built to hit for pop and he's got the velocity, the, uh, sorry, not the velocity, the, uh, the capability with his legs to leg out doubles and triples on a frequent basis. If he gets to sit, like the playing time that we were hoping out of him, that being said, well, and on top of that, he's going into a contract season. So you really hope that he's able to put up numbers that allow him to either stay here long-term or get a bigger contract going somewhere else. Um, I think he just has, if you're talking about the player alone without the injuries, he has the perfect fit to be a Yankee long-term. And it really sucks to see him in a position where he's not going to be able to help us at least until May. Um, If we're lucky, we'll get him mid-May. If that would be best case scenario, I think we're looking realistically more closer to June. Um, But who knows? Obliques are very tough to, you know, get a good hold of. So, all you got to do is kind of hope that he sorts himself out, but he was supposed to be the, uh, the anchor in the outfield defensively where you can move judge back to right field, get him off his feet a few days in terms of playing the outfield constantly. He can DH from time to time. Now judge doesn't have that luxury of being able to be off his feet. Um, he's going to play more left field, which is a brand new position for him. And like I said, I'm excited to see him out there, but I'm also going to be holding my breath every time he has to dive for a ball or play a ball in the corner. Um, it's just one more thing to have to worry about that it it feels almost like unnecessary at this point and just another headache to add to the circus that is the outfield situation. Yeah, and whereas Judge came out publicly and said that he's going to play not not as hard, but he's not going to die for every ball in May. Um, you know, he's gonna be selective with his, you know, with his routes and conserving his body throughout a long season. We saw that come to fruition last year in that that enables his offensive value and his MVP Hall of Fame level offensive value. Whereas Bader's value comes in his athletic ability. And, you know, we saw Jake said he was excited to see Bader. We went to go see Aaron Judge in a home run race sitting on 59 home runs. And Jake on the ticket line to get in was itching himself to watch Harrison Bader play his first game for the Yankees. Um, This is a guy who we saw... Two full seasons in St. Louis, only in 2018 and 19. He had 138 games in 2018, 128 games in 2019. In 2018, he had a base running value, base running runs above average of 7.6, which is really elite. Like That's like top four, top five in the National League, if not number one. Um, And his overall offensive batting and base running combined runs above average was 11.2. But he hit about 264. Um, slugging of about 400. The next year, he put together another 130-game season. He had a batting average of 205 on base of 314, slugging also down. 
His base running value was only a 0.7. He was dealing with some injuries then. So even though his defensive runs above average was 13.3, his offensive output was a negative nine because of his hitting. Um, And that's in, he's a very aggressive hitter. Um, He'll be pretty solid defensively because he's very efficient as well as very athletic and fast. Um, But his value, his elite value comes from his base running, comes from his throwing, comes from the added highlight level play that he can make. And also he has a very violent swing. So any trigger wrong in a swing is going to throw him off significantly. Um, those are the most games that he played. He played the full season in 2020. So you can't knock him for that. It was only 50 games, only 103 last year. And then, uh, sorry, only 86 last year and 103 the year before um, combined between the Yankees and St. Louis. Um, he didn't have a good offensive showing in his few weeks with the Yankees, um, though he gave that value. But it's it's tough to see. We hope that he comes back and he's fully healthy. They're probably going to be conservative with him and cover him up. But it, it opens up our whole outfield for a lot of different moving parts. Uh, it just it, every time I think about the potential that he has when he's on the field, I mean, I'd say in terms of just general baseball awareness and what where he needs to be spacing all that stuff. Situationally speaking, he is. Him and Volpe are probably the two like-minded players that are going to be on this roster at some point this season. So just imagine a lineup where you have Volpe leading off and then you have Bader in the nine spot. And like I, that excites me so much because that gives Judge the opportunity to hit with two elite runners in front of him. Um, so that's why I'm like pulling my hair out right now. It's like this dude can easily, if he stays healthy for a full season or close to a full season, He's got 20 homers, 20 to 25 homers with 35 to 45 stolen bases in him. Um, So it's just really tough to see a player like that go down. And you got to hope that he's back and he's fully healthy and this thing doesn't linger when he does come back because that would be even worse. And that's kind of, that would be the uh, the final blow to any chance we had of like re-signing him, you know. But I just want to see this dude succeed, and he is the best thing that could happen to the Yankees as like a, a early season acquisition from the roster. Yeah, and that's what it'll end up feeling like because he'll be out for a decent amount of time, you know, in acquisition throughout the year. And if he can come in to solidify booster that bottom part of the lineup, he adds a pop potential. He adds space running potential. So when you get to like the catchers or the guys who are going to end up at the bottom of the lineup, who we'll talk about today, um, he he just adds that extra bit of threat on the bases or as someone who can run into one, you can't just group by the bottom. Uh, and that'll be really yeah. huge. Uh, Fangraphs and baseball reference have different projections for him. Fangraphs has him at about 500 at bats and 120 games, which I don't, I don't see being plausible. I think he's going to be out yeah. for over 40, even to start the year. Um, baseball reference is more conservative and has a 75% reliability at about 400 plate appearances, which which puts him at about 90 games, I would say. That's more reasonable, and I'm optimistic for that. They have only 11 homers, 42 RBI, 250 batting average, um, you know, 711 OPS. I, I think that's kind of the player that he is and what you should expect from him. Maybe even 15 homers, depending on how much time he gets. He can yeah. run into a few and he had a good power stroke. Um, but I think that's in line with what we'll see. And if he stays healthy once upon his return. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Um, and I, I agree with that line. I think that he just needs to play over what 70% or 60% of the season at this rate, 65 and we'll be satisfied and just make it a good 65%. Um yeah, it's going to just keep me being in a sad mood if I keep on thinking about his injury. And also with and... To, to credit with the swing, um, it does remind me a lot of Bryce Harper early on in his career, just the way that he uses his entire body to torque. So maybe he learns how to con- conserve that motion just a little bit. Um, and that I'm sure that's what led to the oblique injury, just all of that twisting. Um, so maybe that's something he comes back with a little bit retooled. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, and I think part of the reason why this distresses us so much is because that's our second outfield position. We're already talking about an injured player because I don't know where to go from here. (laughs) Um, that's our ideal center fielder. Aaron judge will probably be playing a lot of center field. 
yeah. our other outfield options, um, I'll go through them and you name anyone who I'm missing because who All even right. knows who's on this list? Well, there's actually um, someone I think I want to start with um, just because I think he's playing. You, you take it away. Yeah. I think that Oswaldo Cabrera is kind of, I mean, he's super util in my eyes, but I think he's actually like gaining himself the edge when it comes to that, that starting outfield position. Um, he's looked a lot better defensively so far this spring than he has in the regular season last year. He's hitting the hell out of the ball. He has five home runs and just hit one as of today to Oppo um, in the night game that they're currently playing. He's a switch hitter that I don't think is too overmatched on either side of the plate. His lefty swing, I personally like a lot better. Um, but it, at minimum, he could platoon in left field or wherever the hell they decide to put him. Um, he's covered center just fine. He's covered right field beautifully. Um, so if you're going to play Aaron Judge and left, it just kind of makes sense to move him to right or center. Because like our main concern, you and me, we were concerned about him playing left field because that was where he looked by far the weakest. Now it looks like Judge can man left field. So um, I think that Oswaldo brings a certain energy level that you kind of have to have in the lineup almost every day. And he's going to obviously get a few spots here and there in the uh, infield. But I think that outfield is where he's going to like lay dormant and kind of set his uh, set his feet. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, especially looking and we'll get into the infield later, looking at our existing versatility options. We have IKF playing a lot of positions around the infield and the outfield. And we have DJ who it can play every position on the infield except for shortstop, which we're of no shortage at. Um, I think locking us Waldo in to an outfield position is what we have to do and something that he's earned at this point. Um, Oswaldo Cabrera last year had 0.05 years of MLB service time. So 120th of a year. He has a 2.0 career war. He, he put up a two war yeah. last year in the few weeks that he played. He was electric. He played all over the field. I know a lot of his value comes from how elite he can be defensively god he's only five months older than me that's scary i'm moving <laughs> How on does that make you feel? um it <laughs> makes me feel pretty terrible um my fear is that he still has two mlb options but i think right now oswaldo has locked himself into some sort of starting outfield spot given the injuries that we have Fangrass has him as the starting right fielder and judge sliding over to center to cover for Bader, which we saw him do a lot last year. We even saw Oswaldo take some time in center. I think judge is the more is the preferred center field option in terms of output for now, in terms of Yankee injury stuff. Um, I'm sure Oswaldo might get yeah. some run just to preserve judge from playing a lot of center field on his nine year contract. Um, mm. I'm with you. I think Oswaldo has played himself into that starting position wouldn't love to see him a lot in left, but maybe if he goes in left, he he gets some decent time. I mean, we kind of threw him into left last year after playing him everywhere, being like, okay, you're our starting left fielder for the playoffs now. And yeah. he only had like three or four games under his belt. So that that's unfair when you're playing like weird time day games with 60,000 people at the stadium. Um, so he'll probably be a bit better than he showed in his very small sample last year. But between right or left field, I think I'm with you. I think he has one of those locked down, and he's going to be an everyday starter at least until Bader gets back or unless the roster changes. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at his arm strength, he's top 90 percentile on uh, baseball savant. So, like, anywhere you put him, he's going to throw the ball well. It's just a matter of if he can, like, consistently run the routes. But I think you need his bat in the lineup in that – brings some new fresh legs with a little bit of pop um, to compensate. Like I love DJ, but he's going to not give you stolen bases and all that. And without Bader, you're going to miss out on the stolen bases and the doubles and the triples. Um, I think that Waldo brings that same element and a little bit more fire even. So yeah, I'm excited to see this kid play more. Uh, pop quiz uh, going through games. Innings played last year per baseball reference defensively. Um, give me the order from most games at a position to least games at a position for Oswaldo Cabrera. Most to least? Most to least. What's number one? Wait. His most played. Positionally wise, uh, I'm going to fail this so hard just to let you know. I want to say right field. Right field, number one. Okay. All right, we're rolling. Um, Third base. No. Shortstop. No, no, it wasn't. No, second base. 
Nope. Left field. Left Center. field number two. Really? No, shortstop was next. Okay. And then third base. <laughs> no. Second base. No. Center. No, it was first base. It was four. Bro, I'm running out of position. <laughs> I forgot he played a That's little bit. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I would not have gotten that. The reason I asked <laughs> you that is because I knew you weren't going to get it. It would have been boring if you got everything. I'm glad I got right field. Um, because I think that's where he made the biggest impact is right. Just making yeah. those throwouts and all that. He looked so good over mm-hmm. there. And he's having fun, man. That's that's the biggest thing with him. You know, he's been doing press all offseason. And I've kind of been like, is he like dead set making the team? Um, and the way he's played the string, this this string, the spring, <laughs> he is like he just hit his fifth home run of, of the spring. Yeah. He's been hitting bombs. He's been spraying the ball. Um, it, it's it's fun to watch him. He has a different energy, and he's going to be a, a very productive MLB player. Is he an ideal number two outfielder for a team? Probably not, and that's kind of where we're at with him. But um, I, I'm excited for him in general. Uh, not even a hot take, but I think like behind Volpe, like in terms of young, youthful players that you want to extend, I think he's number two in terms of just guys that they would be willing to give a long-term extension to just because he's so marketable that it's like they've shown no willingness to move on from him. Like they won't even mention him in trade talks. Whereas we like with Dominguez, we've heard a little bit of chatter, even though I think we both want to keep Dominguez at this point with, um, with Peraza, we've even heard a little bit of chatter and it seems like at this rate, Volpe might beat him out and uh, it might have to be Peraza that gets moved on if they don't move on from Torres. So I think that Waldo is like quickly making himself an untradeable piece for the Yankees. And it's ironic because he's probably the most versatile and most tradable if you're looking from the larger scale. Yeah, exactly. And But part of why he's the most tradable is because he's the most valuable. Yeah. And exactly. because he's proven himself. I mean, he and Peraza basically play the same amount of time. I know that Oswaldo got significantly more at-bats, but... um Oswaldo and Peraza, like they both were up for the amount of time. And like Oswaldo Cabrera made himself known and established himself as a really good player, even though Peraza also had a decent end of the year. Um, all right. After this, I think I want to go to Giancarlo Stanton, um, who's probably our <laughs> number three outfielder at, at this point. Um, Aaron Boone came out the, with a quote that. We want him to play I guess. <laughs> 40, 50, 60 games um, in the outfield, and then he's going to DH the rest of the time. I mean, he's someone who's going to who's locked into being in our everyday lineup, at least, who I want to talk about. Um, Giancarlo had a really interesting year last year. I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about Giancarlo being an outfielder, being in our lineup? What do you think that's going to look like for this year? I've always been in the boat that he performs better and he's healthier when he plays the outfield. Um, yeah. It, it, all it takes with him is just one weird funky play. They're running the bases or playing the field where he tweaks something and he's out for a while. So you're inclined to keep an eye on that and inclined to worry about it constantly. And I'm going to chalk up last season as an aberration for him because I don't think that he is a two, what, 16, 17 hitter whatever he ended up with. Um, I think he's a lot better of a player than that. That's by far his career low. And I want to say that he was playing through some injuries um, throughout the season and he was grinding and he knew that and he was probably frustrated by it. He still managed to pop 32 homers, but at the same time, like the the production was down. He's never dropped below an 800 OPS um, since he's been like an established big leaguer. So there was something going on there. And I mean, he still hits the hell out of the ball and uh, throughout the spring training, like he, he hasn't had the best average necessarily, but he's hit some really hard baseballs. And I mean, the exit below is there. He's always going to hit it on a line. It's just a matter of how much they want to put him in, I guess, right field. Now that you have Waldo who's a little bit more movable in terms of moving him around the, uh, the outfield positions. And then Judge is going to be willing to play left field, which takes a lot of pressure off of John Carlo having to play out there. Um, I think if you see Judge in left, you're almost automatically seeing uh, Stanton right. Um, you might see Zwaldo there as well, but I think that's where it's going to head. Um, 
but yeah, I just, I just hope he stays healthy and I, I, we need his bat in there. That's, that's where I'll put it because he is one of the clutch premier uh, postseason performance of me, uh, like most recent memory. Yeah. And last year, I believe it was an aberration as well. I mean, we look at his first half and he, he won the all-star game MVP and he was like a solid deserving all-star last year. Yeah. Um, through 76 first half games, he had 24 homers and 61 RBI. So as someone in the middle of the lineup, I mean, that was, he was doing his job. He was getting runs in a lot. He only hit about 240 um, in that time, which is right in line with what we expect from him. His second half, he was hurting a lot, only 34 games, yeah. seven homers, a 150 batting average. Um, That's really, really bad. And I think a lot of the times he was only playing because the team was so, so bad. And we just desperately needed any sort of high-end production out of him. We needed someone who could drive Aaron Judge in when he was on base. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we hope to see a full season from him. I mean, last year he had a bad season and he stumbled into 32 homers, 31 homers. Yeah. Um, it's elite what he can do power-wise. Yeah. And projections-wise, like, I don't love this. Uh, projection it's 80 percent reliability from baseball reference 26 homers 73 rubies 239 average 776 ops i just feel like that's low for him still at this point in his career i can think he can do a lot better than that um yeah what i would love to see is what he and judge replicated in 2021 or what they did in 2021 where they both stayed healthy and they both had over 35 homers and like we're around 260 to 270 obviously we just talked about how judge is going to do a lot better than that but if we can get that kind of production out of Stan 38 homers, 90 rubies, 260 to 270 average, or like 250 to 270, whatever it may be with an over 800 um, OPS, I think that we're good. Basically took a solidified DH as our third outfielder because I don't know what the hell we're doing from here. Um, our remaining outfield is some combination of and one of these players is going to start a lot of games because John Carlos Stanton is not going to start the majority of games in the outfield and Harrison Bader is hurt so this guy our top one or two guys are going to be seeing a lot of starts in April and May um, those options are Aaron Hicks who we all know and love to some degree uh, Rafael Ortega Willie Calhoun both of those who are uh, non-roster invites for spring training then we have Estevan Florial in the minor league system. Uh, and interestingly enough, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who's found himself in a lot of outfield uh, innings these past few days in spring training. Jake, you've been locked into spring. Uh, you're groaning now. You're grimacing. How do you feel about this whole situation? I'm grimacing because I forgot. A bit. We just did a quick little rundown of who we were going to go through, and I completely forgot Estevan Florial was on this team. And he played a lot this uh, spring, so that says a lot. Um, I'll start with him just because I mentioned his name first. He's out of options, so the Yankees need to make a very, very precise decision whether or not they're going to keep him or not. Um, They haven't given him any real opportunities to prove himself as a starter or let alone a true everyday MLB player or like even a a role player. Um, Every time they've called him up, it feels like he's – riding the bench and then go straight back down after two or three weeks of doing so. Um, I just don't think they have a lot of faith in him. And I think that he could potentially benefit a team, but he does strike out a lot. He's got a really good arm. He can cover the outfield pretty well. He's made some, if he plays and he's made some decent plays this, uh, the spring training, he's hit the ball hard and he struck out a lot. It's kind of exactly what his profile projects as. Um, can't say I'm sold on him. And I think this might be, a parting parting uh, gift, you know, for, like the Yankees might have their last little curtain call with him. Um, right. Yeah, can I make the decision right now for the Yankees? Yes. Yeah. Um, we, he didn't get the best shot, but last year he had 17 games and this 35 plate appearances. A lot of those were defensive substitutions. He had below a hundred really didn't look good. He, he can hit the ball with high velo, um, but it's a very long swing. And he had good run in spring training. He played 18 games and 41 plate appearances. He was hitting below 170. Um, And I know we shouldn't look into stats too much in spring, 
Um, but from looking at the eye test, he can hit the ball pretty hard. He can run into one, but he strikes out a lot. His swing is very, very long. I know he can be solid defensively. Um, my decision is he's out of options. We DFA him now and then try to, to trade him somewhere. Um, because he has to make the team otherwise, right? Like he can't be optioned yeah, no. down at, at this point. Yeah. He would have to be agreeing to a minor league deal if he wants to stay Yankee, essentially. Which he, um, which he might do. He could do that, but also I like, I just, I see it the similar way I see Miggy and Duhar, except without the provenness of uh, Miggy. Like Miggy at least had that one big season where he performed as a Yankee and then he got the shoulder injury and then he was out. And, uh, Estevan hasn't really had that bad of an injury history. I know he's been banged up quite a bit, but it's not the same extent as uh, Miggy's, and he doesn't have the track record as an MLB player. So I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to take a flyer on him as a free agent. Um, I think either way, like he would be stuck kind of signing a free agent or a minor league deal uh, more than anything. So I think his best bet is being DFA'd and traded. Um, well, I think the opportunistic advantage for Florial that probably he and his agent are considering now is that the Yankees are so thin defensively in the outfield right now yeah. is that, you know, Miggy Endahar was different and that he was great offensively, but you couldn't put him anywhere. Whereas yeah. Florial, you can put him anywhere defensively. Like the moment, like if Oswaldo Cabrera gets hurt or Aaron X gets hurt, like, um, Unless both Rafael Ortega and Willie Calhoun both accept minor league assignments or like one makes the team, one accepts the minor league assignment, which I'm not sure both of them do or either of them do. I guess we'll talk about that too. Um, yeah. The door is open. Like um, Floreal is the guy on the 40 man who comes up and can play left, center, or right. And even though if he, even if he does poorly, he can get MLB time. So th- that can be the spin I see him in accepting a minor league assignment, even though he can't be optioned down. Yeah, I mean, baseball reference has him getting 220 big league appearances and, you know, that's that's. significant amount. And that's then again, it's also 19 percent reliability. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) I don't know how you come up with that, but sure. Um, Yeah, 696 projected OPS, which like, hey, not the worst. Um, I guess that leads us into Aaron Hicks just because he's the one with the most tenure as a Yankee. Um, he's got the longest standing status. He's probably the most frustrating out of all of them, just because of his tumultuous career as a Yankee. Um, he's a dude who started off as a wizard in the outfield and was a wizard at getting on base. And we've just seen those numbers diminish ever since he got injured in 20, was it 2018 or 2019? 2019 uh 2019 yeah because he signed the deal after 2018 i think yeah i mean he had a decent 2020 as well in the shortened season i remember his ops being really solid um but that's also a smaller sample size so if you walk a lot in 60 games you're naturally going to have a high on base percentage and ops um i just i'm not sold on him i mean I've, i've watched him play a decent amount this uh this spring training so far and he has made adjustments to his credit He's not doing the big one-handed swing anymore, one-handed follow-through. Um, he's got both hands on the bat, so he's a little bit more choked up, um, which I do appreciate the fact that he is trying to make some changes. But at the same time, like he is, ha- I think he has a better batting average at this very moment. Um, he's probably a little bit closer to 300. However, it hasn't been great contact for the most part. He's ran into a few that he's hit out. Um, but it's it more or less felt the same as how it did at the start of last season. Remember how he had like a very hot April um, to start the year, but it wasn't yeah. really hot. It was deceivingly hot. It was like 290 average, but it was also like a bunch of flare singles. That's kind yeah. of more or less what I've been seeing out of him. And that doesn't excite me whatsoever. So if people point at his stats in particular, that's why you have to take all um, spring training stats with like a grain of salt is you're not always seeing what the contact looks like and his batting average might improve, but I just don't see him drastically becoming a better hitter than he was last season. Um, And also he's just like, he's made some nice plays to his credit today. He made a nice one where he was running in and it was like kind of a glove side back pick like that um, on like a little flare uh, 
flared decently hit ball to like shallow center. Um, so he made a nice play there, but it seems to be those balls down the line and left field where you just can't trust him at all. Um, and like defense is supposed to be his forte. So if he's not providing you with elite defense, but has a subpar bat, then what's the point of keeping him? Um, and he is going 10 to five rights are coming up this year, right? Yep. So yeah, around gonna, June or July, I believe. Yeah. That could easily play a factor. There's no way I see him. He shouldn't be starting. I'll put it plain and simple. I, I don't see him as a starter anymore. Um, I hope the Yankees kind of see it the same way, but like, who knows? I think he's going to end up seeing decent time if he's still on the team, but if he really underperforms and I can see him being a DFA the same way I see like Donaldson um, mid season, you know, if he's not performing well, then I seem good as gone or just riding the pine constantly. Yeah. I mean, looking at Hicks, um, his pop is just not there where he used to be Hicks. We were good. Like a guy who can get on base a bunch, draws a lot of walks and then can run into a homer every now and then. So pitchers pitch around him. Um, right now, Hicks, last year, Hicks got himself out, except for some fluky, like, bloop singles. I mean, looking at his numbers last year relative to previous years, his isolated power, which is just his slugging percentage minus his batting average, um, was .096. And to, to put that into context, that means three out of four of his hits are singles, and one of them's a double. Like, not a, like... A home run would put that number a lot higher. So that means his slugging is less than 100 points higher, less than one extra base higher um, than if every single he were to get would be a hit. Um, In line from his career numbers, when it was 17, 18, 19, he was good. He was at a 210 um, isolated power. And and that's where where the home run effect you can see at the home run. He can find gaps here and there. Um, Looking at StatCast data, I mean, his barrel percentage – and his career was anywhere from seven and a half to nine percent. Last year was five point eight percent. His hard hit percentage in his good years was anywhere from thirty-five to forty-two percent. Last year it was thirty-three point one percent. I mean, his expected batting average was low. Um, his expected slugging was really low. I mean, even lower than his actual slugging. Um, no, it's a tough. It's it was a tough year for Hicks. Um, I appreciate what he's done for the Yankees. I agree. He plain and simple shouldn't be starting. Um, he, and he will start. He'll take a bunch of starts. Um, I could see a DFA option if he mutually agrees to a trade. Um, the thing is that Hicks might hold out on a trade to get the 10 and 5 rights um, because that comes with player autonomy and you can choose where you want to be traded and and different um, different union benefits that come along with playing for 10 years, 10 and five being playing for 10 years in the league and five years with one team, he'll get that in the middle of the season. Then he'll probably, if there's a path for him to go, um, he and the Yankees, I think will work on a mutually beneficial deal to see him out. And that's my path for Hicks this year. Play 60 games, start a bunch in left field, hopefully not in center. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It is what it is there. But I guess that leads into our last guy who well, I guess it's, we'll lump them together because they're not on the roster yet. But that would be Willie Calhoun and um, Ortega. Rafael Ortega. Rafael yeah. Ortega. Two guys that made very interesting impressions. I want to say right out the bat, they both started hitting really hot um, early on in the spring. And it looked like Ortega was almost sealing the deal. Like it was going to be his position. He had an OPS well over a thousand. And then over a week ago, he started to really taper off and his defense looked bad. Like in left field, he was having some awful time with the routes. And at first you could chalk it up to, Oh, he's having issues with the wind, but how many times can you blame the wind if it's happening consistently? Um, And like, I mean, he, (laughs) Against righties throughout his career, he's been fantastic. Against lefties, he's been non-existent. So the fact that he's struggling against both right now is not going to do him any favors when he's trying to win a position. Meanwhile, Willie Calhoun, despite I don't love his body type necessarily for the outfield, I just don't know how it's going to hold up. But if he's only going to be here for a year or less than a year, um, 
I think that he can hit some nukes for us and be serviceable at best and then, you know, find a little bit of time at DH. I think he's the most compelling one out of all of them at this point to actually start games in uh, left field. So it's an interesting race. It's a, I don't know, it's not as exciting as it was at the start, but I think that Calhoun's kind of got the edge right now. So from what I've seen of these two players and the stats back it up, I mean, Rafael Ortega has been a major league average defensively at center field and pretty solid left fielder. Um, but his hitting numbers have really waned. Uh, I mean, he had two seasons in the bigs looking at Ortega where he had 143 games for the Marlins. He had a 57 OPS plus full run that year playing right field and left field. Uh, for the Braves, he had 34 games and a 47 OPS plus. But in 2021, he went out there. He had an 823 OPS, which is a 121 OPS plus, playing center field at Wrigley for the Cubs. And then last year, he ran a back league average season, 95 OPS plus. Um, but he's looked pretty bad in uh, at the plate in the last few days of spring. Um I, I know I came in when we got him between him and Calhoun for the non-roster invites. Like you said, you know, Calhoun, you know, his body's okay, but his his agility in the outfield covering a lot of space in left field, which is our whole, um, I saw as an issue. Whereas Ortega, I know, can provide center field defensive coverage, take away some games from Judge and from Bader, and come off the bench and really mash righties. Uh, but do you think that even given this is going to be a bench spot. Ideally you think that uh, Calhoun has tipped the tides in his, his favor over Ortega enough. I think he's running away with it at this point. Um, could Ortega, I mean, this is the last week, which arguably is the most important week. I think this is when you make your last impressions on a team. If you are trying to fight for a position. I and think, it's all pro talent that he's facing exactly, both of them. Yeah. So you're seeing pro pitchers the entire time. It's not just some random high pro is in major league. Everyone else is pro. I understand that. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead. The show. Um, yeah, it's a bunch of guys that'll be there throughout the 162 game season. And I think that Calhoun right now has a stronghold on it. But who's to say that Ortega can't hit two homers in one game and all of a sudden change the tide for him. But from what I've seen, if you're taking the entire sample size of the spring, Willie Calhoun probably deserves it at this point. You think that's our bench spot? So if we're looking at outfielders, um, we're going Judge, Bader, who's hurt, uh, Hicks, Cabrera, Willie Calhoun. That's like yeah. our five outfielders. You think uh, Ortega gets – not Ortega. You think Willie Calhoun gets DFA'd when Bader comes back? I think someone gets DFA'd. I don't want to say who, though, because it's like I think that it could be Hicks. You know, there are so many factors that play into this at this point that like I'm still in the mindset that if we're talking later down in the season, depending on how this Brian Reynolds stuff goes down with the Pirates trying to extend him, if that falls through, like if if he doesn't get extended before the start of the season, I think he's going to be on the trade block. It's inevitable that he'll be available. And the ask won't be extended before the start of the season. Yeah. Like the last uh, offer was like 6 million or six years for 76 million or something like that. That's not going to cut it. That's not even close to what he wants. So if he's available, I think the Yankees are going to go hard after him. Um, Obviously like they're waiting for Dominguez to come up. So they don't want to be too crazy with spending to, you know, bring in an outfielder. I think we've, seen enough from Dominguez at this point to be very excited about him as a prospect. And he is very close. His bat is ready. His glove isn't. Um, So I think that what the outfield construction looks like, there's going to be a few, like at least two players that are on currently that won't be there. I'll put it that way. Any shot of running a four man outfield, I I guess that'll bring us maybe into the infield conversation because we've got 13 spots a five-man, I guess a five-man outfield. Oh, no, we have 13 spots. We only have 11 spots. Well, we didn't even talk about IKF. Outfielders. Yeah, we didn't even yeah. talk about IKF, who, like, we'll we'll just umbrella him as a utility guy at this point. But he's going to, <laughs> if he somehow makes the team, he's going to be a bench player. And he's going to play, how, we'll see how much outfield. I don't trust him there yet. I don't, 
expect him to be an amazing outfielder. He could do it. I think he's got the work ethic to be serviceable. Um, I still think he's the most movable player on the team right now. I think that he just doesn't have a place. Um, but also keep in mind that Oswaldo Cabrera, even though I think he's going to get starts, you think he's going to get starts, like a significant amount of starts. He's also, at the end of the day, a utility player. So he's going to kind of serve as that role as well. And then also DJ LeMay, who's an, a utility player. So you've got two utility players, one of them, that, or three technically, if you include IKF. You're paying those two, IKF and DJ, $21 million collectively. So they're going to be moving around a lot. So I don't think you need to worry too much about the util position or like the bench piece. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's just a roster crunch at this point um, because I think that transitions as well into our infield talk. And our infield positional preview will be coming to you in our next episode. This was our outfield positional preview, and Jake and I had a lot to say about our entire outfield situation, which is more in flux than we'd like it to be. So if you like this episode, make sure to hit like, share, and subscribe. Make sure to share with your friends. If you like the episode, uh, we really appreciate all listeners that we get and growing our listenership and this family that we're creating here. We're going to be coming out with a lot of content coming up to opening day and within the first few weeks of the season. So make sure to stay in touch with that. I'll be making a lot of trips to the stadium, especially in April and May, and Jake will be coming with me on opening day. So we'll show you some stuff there at Pinstripe Pulse Pod on Instagram and TikTok and at Pinstripe underscore Pulse on Twitter. We'll be active in the Yankees Twitter forums pages, responding to Yankees accounts and other Uh, listeners and social media creators and content creators all around the Yankees world. So thank you very much for listening. Again, if you want to listen to our infield positional preview, um, that's coming out very soon. It should be out by the time you're listening to this. And there's a lot going on. We had to make this into two different episodes because of how much we had to say about each. So hope you like this. Thanks for listening and enjoy our next episode.